Welcome to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. This podcast is an audio journal of my guests and I's adventures throughout the live and local music biz. Fun conversations, cool tunes, and good times will be had. My name is Mark Sterry, and I'm a 15-plus year veteran of the Twin Cities, Minnesota metro music scene. Check me out at Mark Sterry, that's S-T-A-R-Y, music.net. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All of my original music is available for download on iTunes, CD Baby, and most other places you get your music online. This podcast drops every Tuesday, if not before, on iTunes, SoundCloud, and most other places podcasts are available. If you enjoy it, please subscribe on iTunes. It's totally free and guarantees you'll never miss an episode. If you have an extra buck or two you wouldn't mind tossing in the podcast tip jar, please visit patreon.com forward slash Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Also, consider you helping get the word out in the street via social media, five-star rating and review on iTunes, and or tell a friend or two. Happy Thought of the Day is by John Lennon. Being honest may not get you a lot of friends, but it'll always get you the right ones. Thanks for tuning in and welcome to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Enjoy! Welcome back to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast, episode 192. Please support this week's sponsors, ID Chrysler Pine City, Templeton Rye Whiskey, and the B-Dale Club. Also, thanks to all the folks who contribute to this podcast on Patreon.com. Coming at you on a rainy day here from my family's cabin in Turtle Lake, Wisconsin. Copper the Wonder Golden is bummed out it's not a swim day, but it's a great day for me to drop the podcast. Excited for the final week of teaching summer school and the annual play this year titled Buddy Holly Circus is scheduled for this Thursday, June 20th, 2019 at the Turtle Lake, Wisconsin School Auditorium. Come one, come all, the best play we've done yet. Also, thanks again to all the folks who've listened to my new funky tune, New Word on the Street. The feedback has been excellent and it keeps me wanting to write more music. Last week's Geeks Wrap-Up. Wednesday, played a solo show at Pub 42 in New Hope, Minnesota. Thanks to Jonesy for babysitting Copper the Wonder Golden. Friday, played a solo show at Nova in Hudson, Wisconsin. Don't know how this is possible, but after hitting some rough storms on the way to the show, I actually drove through a rainbow by the Hudson Bridge. Pretty cool. Saturday, played a duo show at Vanelli's by the Lake in Forest Lake, Minnesota. Incoming rain showers kept us inside, but great to see Greg and company from the B-Dale Club. Sunday, played a solo show at Paradise in Balsam Lake, Wisconsin. Beautiful day for jamming down by the lake. Happy Father's Day to all dads out there, but especially my dad, Scott, and thanks for coming to the show, Dad. Upcoming shows. Thursday, June 20th, 2019, I'll be playing a solo show at Bistro 63 in Baronet, Wisconsin from 5.30 to 8.30 p.m. Friday, June 21st, Mr. Brian K. Johns to myself will be rocking out at Leaker's Place in Glenwood City from 7 to 10 p.m. Saturday, June 22nd, the Mark Sterry Trio featuring Mr. Brian K. Johnson, Brian Ricochet Leger, and myself will be jamming out at the Fishman's Party in Milltown, Wisconsin from 2 to 5 p.m. Sunday, June 23rd, I'll be playing an acoustic showcase fundraiser for for suicide prevention at the 318 Cafe with Allie Gray from 5 to 7 p.m. Guest this week. 
part one of three with legendary investigative reporter, journalist, and news anchor Don Shelby. We talk Buddy Holly, Paul McCartney, Bobby V, and more. Enjoy the conversation. Mr. Don Shelby, legendary American journalist and news anchor. Welcome to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. How's it going today there, Don? Very well. I don't feel very legendary at this moment, <laughs> but I feel thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Why I wanted to reach out to you initially for this podcast was every summer for the last 20-some years, I go home to my hometown of Turtle Lake, Wisconsin, and I direct... Beautiful place. Yes, and I direct a summer school play with my buddy Manfred and... This year, we're doing a play based on the winter dance party, Buddy Holly and whatever. And so we're in- implementing all the songs and things like that. And so the I, winter dance party at, at, at Surf Ballroom. At the Surf. We're okay. going to skip all the <laughs> what happened afterwards, yeah. you know, but that kind of tour. And I Because they were in Duluth. You they know, were in before, Duluth? Yeah, they were in Duluth before they went down to uh, Clear Lake. Yeah, and so I met you there at the 50th anniversary. My guitar player at the time, one of my dearest friends, Dan Neal, was playing in the band. Yep. And it was Graham Nash there. Now that you know it's nowhere. What's to stop you coming home? I think it was Chuck Lavelle on keys and Kenny Arnoff on drums. And I know that Sir Tim Rice was there. And uh, my biggest thrill was meeting you because you've always been my favorite uh, news anchor, just represented this Twin Cities life I always kind of want to move into and be a part of. So it was such a thrill to meet you. And at the time, my old buddy Chris and I, we both got photos with you and we had them framed in our house <laughs> in St. Paul. And I still have them. I just, I just saw, anyway, after I, I, I was, where my buddy and I were working on this play that's coming up starting next week and uh that's why i thought i'd reach out to mishki and say you know i've always wanted to talk to don shelby i've always wanted to pick his brain about like music and rock and roll and things like that i met him at the buddy holly thing and we're doing a buddy holly play you think don would do that and so he hooked us up so i just wanted to ask you about your thoughts about uh like that winter dance party what were you doing down there doing a story about that and your whole experience with that and thoughts like buddy holly and his music and things like that well, we met on that anniversary. Yes. But I went to the first one, to the, uh, not when Buddy Holly was there, but the first uh, event was the 25th anniversary um, at the Surf Ballroom. And um, Del Shannon was there, and uh, Waylon was there. Are you serious? Yeah. Where do we take it from here? Rhinestone suit. It's been the same way for years. Waylon Jennings, yeah. who was the bass player for Buddy Holly and That's the Crickets right. at the time. Yeah. yeah, because the Crickets by that time had uh, dissolved. Norman Petty, who, be- who became their producer, uh, pushed those guys uh, out, um, and and they started forming new. Uh, groups. They added Nicky Sullivan uh, on guitar, who was also there, that very first one. And 
uh, it was an important story. I convinced the station it was uh, kind of an important story, but almost a feature story. But it wasn't a feature to me because uh, my brother in 1957 uh, graduated from high school, and he had uh, all of the Buddy Holly records. And, of course, uh, I listened to uh, all of those and loved everything about Buddy Holly. And uh, his was the first death that ever touched me. Uh, I remember my brother coming in the house and, and with the newspaper, I mean, Don McLean's story, with a newspaper that Buddy Holly and the Big Bopper and Richie Valens had been killed. Um, and uh, I, I kind of literally at that uh, young age, I, I thought um, that a, a part of my life was over because I felt like I knew him through his music, Buddy Holly, through his music which was not really anything that uh, I would have normally gra gra gravitated toward because uh, rockabilly was not anything that I was interested in. I wasn't a big Elvis fan at the time because, as I say, I was a rhythm and blues kid growing up. So uh, Theola Kilgore was who I listened to, and, and I was listening also on the other side to Coltrane and Charlie Parker, and I was... Uh, I was getting those records, but then I was also getting in a lot of B.B. King records. Getting in a lot of Solomon Burke records. I mean, I had B.B. King uh, albums when I was a kid that were never in general distribution. Um, and B.B. King was probably oh, 23 or 24 at the time that uh, he made his first albums, uh, Clarksdale and, and uh, Memphis uh, down on Beale Street and uh, Stax Volt and, and King Records. And uh, see, I can, I can tell you some, can I digress just a minute? Yes. Okay, so I'm at the University of Cincinnati and I'm in a, the, the University of Cincinnati's campus is right uh, abuts a place called Coryville, and where the Coryville Rats uh, were, which were uh, gangs, uh, roving gangs of uh, people. And, and uh, in Coryville was King Studios. And so uh, I was interested in, in music because I was in the uh, conservatory of music, and, but I wasn't interested in classical music. I was interested in this, and I was interested in recording um, and, and broadcasting and music. So uh, uh, an upperclassman said to me, uh, have you ever seen a recording studio? And I said, no. And he said, well, Come with me. We'll walk down there. I know Sid Nathan or whoever it was was running the joint at that time at King. And uh, we walked three blocks to, to the King Studios, which was a little brick building uh, about the size of maybe uh, two two-car garages. With the busy summer of traveling from gig to gig, city to city, job to job, the car gets dirty with hauling leaves, dust from dirt road driving, dog hair, fast food crumbs, empty pop cans, and more. It may need some cosmetic TLC, but I have all the confidence in the world we'll make it from one adventure to the next 
because my black Jeep Cherokee I recently got from ID Chrysler Pine City runs like a top. When 250,000 miles in my old car was just too much for the poor thing to take, I found myself looking for my new dream ride at ID Chrysler Pine City, and the staff couldn't have been more helpful with me choosing a vehicle and willing to work with my, as I call it, musician's credit score. Their philosophy is simple, time-saving, hassle-free, fair price. Check out their inventory at www.idcdjr.com or take the beautiful drive up 35 to 715 Northridge Court Northwest Pine City, Minnesota to visit them in person. Business hours are Monday through Thursday, 8 to 6 p.m. and Friday and Saturday, 8 to 5 p.m. Closed on Sundays. Check out ID Chrysler Pine City today and enjoy a summer full of adventures and memories out on the open road in a new ride. And I walked in and the first thing I saw when we walked into the engineer's room was a board uh, at least uh, 15 feet long with what we called pots back in those days. Now they're all slider switches. You can slide up and down and little little uh, knobs. You can adjust uh, pans and, and EQs and all kinds of things. But these were just, uh, each one, each channel had a VU meter and they were just knobs. And uh, each of the instruments and the vocals were uh, had to be tuned. You just turned them like a knob of a, of a television set in the old days. So, um, I, and I, I said, well, are they re- going to record a record? And he said, uh, uh, yeah. He said, there, there's the guy who's going to be singing, and uh, there's his, and the band's out there through this big glass. And I went, holy crap. That's James Brown and the Famous Flames. So uh, I sat for six hours through that, Maceo blowing the saxophone. Um, it was just unbelievable to watch James Brown perform. And he, was, and he would do his dances. I mean, he wasn't performing for a crowd, but he would do his dances because that was part of the, how he got his energy up. So uh, I, He was tracking an album, and you were there? Single. Really? Yeah. So there's very few people in the... I'm a huge James Brown fan, especially I collect all his records in the 1970s. I really like that funk era. Yeah. There's like no footage of anyone in the studio while he's creating his stuff. And right. you were there. Right. Wow. Yeah. That's an absolutely true story. And it was just one of those happenstance things. And uh, all of the stuff that has to do with music has been happenstance uh, for me. I'm the, I end up... Uh, uh, doing uh, meeting Lionel Hampton, and uh, because I happen to be in the right place at the right time, and uh, uh, the great Zydeco uh, singers, uh, because I happen to be in the right place at the right time, not because I uh, I'm on a television thing or I was doing a story, I just happen to be in in this uh, this place, and so, um, and then up the road from uh, Cincinnati is Dayton. And they had uh, the Flame Club up there, and I would uh, travel up there and uh, and catch uh, 
uh, Wilson Pickett. Then uh, next week, uh, I opened for Red Fox once, because I, I worked my way through college doing stand-up comedy. And so I opened for Red Fox uh, at the, I think the Blue Angel or Blue Flame or something like that in Cincinnati. And then I did the same thing for another uh, big act down in Covington, Kentucky. Uh, and I just uh, got to know uh, all of these people, and then, then I ended up getting to know Paul McCartney and and uh, interviewing him over a long period of time and spending uh, three days with him, actually, because uh, he said uh, he was doing, uh, on his uh, world tour, he was going to do no television interviews. That was the rule he put out. But Blockbuster was one of his sponsors, and Blockbuster was a Minnesota company who also advertised for CCO and one of our account executives got a hold of the blockbuster guy and said, can you use your influence to see if we can, because he was also going to play in, in Minnesota at the Dome. And so uh, McCartney's people got back and said, uh, Paul said that he's not going to do any interview unless he meets the person first. And so they had arrived from their overseas gig down in uh, Florida, I think at the Orange Bowl. And so Barbara and I, my wife, flew down, and then a limo picked us up at the airport, and we were driven in through the grounds, and there were 25 trailers, I think, and a big top where all of the food was being served. And we went backstage and went into a, an office and sat there. And, uh, and then in comes Paul McCartney and, and, and his wife. This was the, the nicest man I had ever met in my life. This was just the nicest man. And he, he kind of bypassed me and went straight to my wife and shook her hand and, and uh, asked her name. And, and, uh, and then we sat down, and, and, and we were just chatting just because uh, we're not doing the interview because we're not going to do the interview until Minneapolis stop. And so um, then somebody came in and said, uh, after about an hour of just uh, chit-chatting uh, about who knows what, the weather, uh, they said, it's time for the sound check. So uh, then he said, would you like to uh, come to the sound check? I said, sure. So we go to the sound check, and we walk into the Rose uh, not the Rose Bowl, the Orange Bowl, and the seats are completely, uh, you know, the entire field is filled with seats. And in the middle, of course, they've got the big... Uh, sound stage where they're um, running all of the uh, the inputs from the uh, snake and uh, so I sit down and we're the only two people in the joint plus his whole band and they run through 20 bars of every song they're going to do that thing and ev and after everything he looks at me and Barbara and said how did that sound as, you know, giving him an okay sign. Yeah, that sounded good. And then 
And then up from the floor rose the big piano from Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, and he plays on that and Lady Godiva and whatever. So um, we end up going back to um, home, and we can't believe we just had this experience. And and I should mention that... uh, so I'm sitting uh, at, for the performance now. We have, uh, we've come backstage, and, and we're walking out, and he goes up to the stage, and we go out to our reserved seats, which are in the front row. And Barbara and I sit down, and I look over, and Mike Love is sitting to my left. The Beach the Boys. The Beach Boys. And Eric Clapton is sitting to my right. And I looked down this row, and and it was it was the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, basically, as far as this row went on either side. And everybody came back after the gig, and it was just this gigantic uh, get together and and whatever. Anyway, so we go um, back, and so this is where the uh, professional part comes in. I know that Paul McCartney is the most interviewed person in the world. Now, I'm not making an overstatement there. No one has ever been interviewed more times than Paul McCartney. The president of the United States, no matter which president it is, has not been interviewed more times. Um, Because you remember, uh, on all of the tours they ever did, they always held a news conference ahead of time. And he's been on everybody's television show, and he's been on all of these things. And so he's been asked virtually every question in the catalog. Don't you think? I literally have been giving everyone I know that swings by my family's cabin this summer a sample from my bottle of aged four-year Templeton rye whiskey. A little ice in a glass, pour it in, and you're golden. All of my friends have been raving about it. Goes perfect with the campfire, tunes, watching the dogs swim, BSing with friends, grilling out, and much more. So if you're looking for a smooth, spicy rye whiskey with a clean finish, Templeton Rye Whiskey is your brand. Based on the Prohibition-era Kirkhoff recipe, it is said that Templeton Rye Whiskey was Al Capone's favorite drink, nicknamed The Good Stuff, and also Iowa's most notorious drink. Make the multiple award-winning, such as being named Rye Whiskey of the Year in 2009 Whiskey Bible by Jim Murray, one of the most well-known tasters in the industry, Templeton Rye Whiskey, your cocktail of the summer. Follow them on Instagram at Templeton Rye Whiskey. Please drink responsibly. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, every question. And so what you learn when you're an interviewer is that if you ask a question that they've been asked many times before, there's a little tape inside the head of all of these people uh, that is the answer to that question. And so you ask the question, and they press the button, and the taped answer comes out. It's the one they're used to giving. It's the one they're comfortable with. It's the one that's been shaped, and it's the one that's going to get printed. And then you can go through and look at all the interviews with Paul McCartney or whoever, and you can catalog them by here's the question, here's the question, here's the question, and the answers are all the same. They're all the same. They never vary. So the key to being a good interviewer is to ask a question 
that they've never been asked before. Now, how hard is that going to be for a person who is the most interviewed person in the world? So I spent, I knew I had to cover some common ground uh, so that I could meet the expectation of the uh, audience. But I did come up with two, and uh, I embedded them. I knew I was going to ask these questions, and I was only going to ask them for me. For this reason, I wanted Paul McCartney to remember the interview as much as I did. Now, that sounds like a lot of the ego, but it's not. It means because you've prepared a lot. Why walk in, do the interview, and walk out, and the guy never remembers your name, doesn't even remember the interview happened because it was just another part of the day? And you know you've asked a question when they can't answer it, and they have to think. They have no tape in their brain that automatically answers the question. So I'll tell you the questions. The first one was, after I'd asked a dozen others, common questions. I said, everyone needs permission to do anything. I want to know, when you sat down and wrote the music with John Lennon and you took the one four, five progression of rock and roll, Uh, You took the CFG, if you will, and started adding diminished sevenths and ninths and concert chords and jazz phrasings to your music. Who gave you the permission to mess with rock and roll? And he... I'm I'm taking the time he took. Then he says the words that are music. He said, I've never been asked that question. Wow. And then he said, I suppose it was my dad. And I said, why was it your dad? And he said, because my father loved all kinds of music. So I would come home one night, and he'd be playing Beethoven. And I'd come home, uh, he'd be playing skiffle music. And then he'd play some rock and roll. And then he'd be playing uh, standards. And I'd say, is there not, don't you like one kind of music? He said, it's all music. It's all music. And he said, so I didn't see anything wrong with combining all the music that I had ever heard into a melody. And he said, I didn't feel compelled to stay within the confines of a 1-4-5 progression. And, uh, and so I, it was a great answer. Then two, two or three more questions. Then I said, You've been asked a thousand times a question that has to do with Lennon writes the rock songs, you write the love songs. I said, I don't want to talk about that. See, so I set him up. I set the tape is ready in cue, right, on how that works, on how they divided their, their thing. 
I said, I don't want to talk about that. You've talked about that too much. I want to ask you this question. When you write the songs that you have written, the love songs, and you sit down at the piano and you begin to compose and you hear the lyric in your head, do you hear your voice singing that song? And then he said, how did you know? And I said, I don't know. It's a question. And he said, the answer is, no, I have never written a song for my voice. Every song that I have ever written has been written for Peggy Lee to sing. Never know how much I care When you put your arms around me I get a fever that's so hard to bear You give me fever When you kiss me, fever when you hold me Every song that I write, I hear Peggy Lee singing the song that I'm writing. He said, because Peggy Lee was my dad's favorite singer. Wow. And so, if you go back and listen to all of those great love songs, all of the slow songs that he wrote, and make your mind hear those lyrics and hear Peggy Lee singing them, she'd be the most famous chanteuse in the world ever if she had sung those songs yes. instead of McCartney and the Beatles. Wow. And speaking of the Beatles, I needed to tell you, going back to your original question regarding the uh, Winter Dance Party, the Beatles, that name was chosen because of Buddy Holly and the Crickets. They named themselves an insect after the crickets. I just had an argument with my co-teacher who was a, just turned 70 this week. He's a, from German piano player or whatever, and he told me the same thing. And I kind of argued with him a little bit because I, I saw in a Beatles documentary that I always thought they got that name from the gangster rival biker gang in the Marlon Brando movie, The Wild One, called the Silver Beatles. And I thought that's where they got the name of the Beatles. It was the Silver Beatles. Then they switched it to the Beatles. But my buddy Manfred said the same story you did, that it was after Buddy Holly. Well, who are you going to believe... You guys, of course. <laughs> are you going to believe? Are you going to believe what you what what you've been told and and are having difficulty trying to separate truth from fact, or are you going to believe Paul McCartney? He told me that. Wow. I want to tell you about one of my favorite bars in the Roseville slash St. Paul, Minnesota area. The B-Dale Club, located on the corner of County Road B and Dale's motto is a place for family, a place for friends, a place for fun. And that is a fact. The food at T-Birds Cafe and Takeaway, as I call it, is always great. Had the chance to make a stop out to B-Dale after my show on Saturday. Sure was missing hanging around there, catching up with friends about the ins and outs of St. Paul. Although I'm a Brew Crew fan, it was cool seeing how excited my B-Dale friends are about the excellent season the Twins are having. Rob, Natalie, Shelley, and the entire bar staff are all state-of-the-art cocktail wizards. 
I've been told that after being talked about in these podcast ads, the Waller's Woodhill cocktails are selling like hotcakes. Don't miss the 7th Annual Barbecue Contest on Saturday, August 3rd. Karaoke, live music, pool table, pool tabs, bingo nights, bocce ball tournaments, and much, much more. B-Dale's got it all. Stop by for a cold one soon. That is just amazing. And uh, and to, to further give you... Uh, when they were recording at the Cavern... Uh, the B side of their first song, I mean, first or second song, was Words of Love by Buddy Holly. Hold me close and tell me how you feel. Tell me love is real. And then that became a hit. For the Beatles. Wow. Words of Love was uh, one of the great anthems of the Buddy Holly years. What, in your opinion, is some key Buddy Holly tracks that young kids should learn um, to keep the story and like the songs of Buddy Holly alive? Well, I mean, uh, uh, certainly you don't have to worry about Words of Love because that's been covered uh, so many ways. Uh, but... Uh, the one that uh, is meaningful to me, of course, is That'll Be the Day. Well, that'll be the day when you say goodbye. Yes, that'll be the day when you make me cry. You say you're going to leave. You know it's a lie. Cause that'll be the day when I die. When... Um, because in that very first one, the white sidewalls were performing because they had... Uh, a Buddy Holly set and and the lead singer, uh, you know, had the uh, horn rim glasses and, and in fact, uh, Elton John bought horn rim glasses when he was a little boy uh, to wear to emulate Buddy Holly when he was a, a kid, and and then his glasses began to be his own fashion design. But um, they, so I came up. Uh, Wolfman Jack uh, was there, and. Uh, and I was working, I was there as uh, filming, and uh, I, I had insinuated myself as sort of a semi-producer with uh, the White Sidewalls. And they had gotten the end of their set. I think they started with That'll Be the Day. And I came up to them, and the crowd was wild, and they wanted more. And I said, uh, then end with That'll Be the Day. Do it again, but in the last eight bars, it goes, that'll be the day, ba-ba-ba, ooh-ooh, that'll be the day, ba-ba-da, ooh-ooh, that'll be the day, da-da-da-da-da, and it just fades. So take the last four, I mean, uh, the last bar, the last measure, and hit right after the ooh-ooh, that'll be the day. Ooh, ooh, when I die. Put that in the last measure and then close out the show. And because, you know, two hours later after that show, he was dead. So um, that was a, an interesting thing. So that'll be the day Peggy Sue gets, uh, 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 I like Peggy Sue. 
Um, but every day it's a getting closer, going faster than a roller coaster. Love like yours will surely come my way. Hey, hey, hey. I just love that song. <laughs> I just love everything. It's just wonderful. That's so, awesome. Uh, but uh, uh, Maybe Baby uh, is an incredible song. Um, he had uh, uh, some rockabilly stuff. And, and rockabilly was kind of interesting because, you know, Gene Vincent was, uh, had made some Johnny, uh, you know, some, some other people had uh, done some, Cochran had done some stuff uh, in rockabilly. Uh, Elvis was a little bit rockabilly at the time. But uh, Buddy Holly was far more musical than any of those far more musical. Everybody else stuck in a groove. Um, but Buddy Holly was the first one with Norman Petty uh, when they began uh, forming new people. When uh, uh, Curtis joined uh, the group, Nicky Sullivan joined the group, Allison joined the group. Um, and it wasn't the Crickets anymore, but the Buddy Holly band. And uh, they became musical, and they were the first uh, rock group ever to put a violin uh, on a track, the first ever to employ violins. And so, I mean, they were, they were really, really musical in their uh, development. And I think that that's the reason he soared. And, of course, his death made it even more just like, uh, just like the Doors music became more powerful today than it was even uh, 69. So... Um, I think that's one of the reasons that uh, Buddy Holly's music is uh, so good is because it is um, very musical and very spare uh, because basically it's a drum and it's a car guitar and a stand-up bass. That's basically all it is. Um, and some backup, male backup. But uh, the music itself has been covered and covered and covered and, and uh uh, Clapton has uh, covered, and the Rolling Stones have covered. Uh, and they didn't do that as an homage. They did it because this was driving rock music from the very beginning. Yeah. And all they had to do was make some simple changes, and Keith Richards uh, simply had to add a different kind of lead spice to the, to the breaks. And... Uh, and I can just, I mean, and, and they were very, very good. Allison was very, very good. I mean, if you listen to that, uh, uh, that intro to um, That'll Be the Day, I mean, it's, it's a really terrific guitar playing. That's incredible. Yeah, I love Body Holly. I, I just was curious on your, your input on that since being down there and I get to meet one of my TV heroes down there and, and uh, that was awesome. I was there because Bobby V was there. Bobby V, yep. Um, you know, and, and I went to Bobby's funeral. Um, I never thought that I would... Uh, 
I love conjunction. I love when things come together randomly. And uh, I end up working at WCCO Radio with Charlie Boone. And then I learn later that Charlie Boone was the disc jockey in Fargo who had to put together the Winter Dance Party continuation, and he had to go find a group with 15-year-old Bobby V. Uh, that, that, and then once Bobby V got a little bit, I mean, it was still within the same year, then he needed a piano player. He thought he needed to fatten it up, and that's when he got a hold of Bob Dylan, and Bob Dylan played piano with Bobby V's group. And... Uh, and then when uh, Bobby V came back home and, and set up uh, his studio in St. Joe, we became uh, very close friends. And I want to uh, uh, tell you a little story about uh, uh, Bobby V. Um, so you know that uh, one of his all-time uh, hits was Take Good Care of My Baby, please don't ever make her cry. Okay. And if you should discover that you don't really love her, please send my baby back home to me, right? So he had three sons and one daughter. Daughter was the baby. She marries a guy named Baron. Um... And I knew Baron. And I didn't know they were going to get married, but they get married. The daughter says, Daddy, would you sing a song at my wedding? And he says, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do something acoustic. I'll bring my acoustic up, a little stool. So at the moment in the wedding, um, before they say their vows, she asked Dad to come up and so Bobby V comes up and, and sits with his guitar. And he plays that song as a ballad. He cuts the time from uh, 110 beats a minute to, to 60 beats a minute. And he looks straight at BJ, at Baron, and sings, Take good care of my baby please don't ever make her blue and if you should discover that you do and, and he please send my baby back home to me so it goes from this love song to this moment where he's telling this husband to be if it ever gets bad and you fall out of love, send my baby back home to me. And it, when I heard it, it made me bawl. Just bawl, because I've got three daughters. That is an amazing story. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate that. That's, that's an incredible story. I asked him before... Uh, he uh, he had Alzheimer's. I asked him before that, could you, would you record that for me? And so uh, 
I'm in a blues band, and, and he came down to see us perform, and he handed me the CD. So I have that recording, that slow version of that incredible song, which was so important in my life. Because when he recorded it, I was in my teens. I mean, I was falling in love with girls. And that song was so important to me, and his voice was so important to me. And then, you know, to see him as a 70-year-old guy and just see we're hanging out. and My life's been blessed, dude. Big time. It has. Just blessed. Wow. Just being in the right place at the right time and and getting to know these people and and uh, I don't know. I'm just, uh, I, I, all I can say is I'm blessed. Thanks for tuning in to this week's edition of the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Hope you've enjoyed the program. We'll see you back here for new podcasts about life and times in the live and local music scene each and every Tuesday, if not before, on iTunes, SoundCloud, and most other places podcasts are available. Again, please support this week's sponsors, ID Chrysler Pine City, Templeton Rye Whiskey, and B-Dale Club. This is also a listener-supported podcast, so if you'd like to get on board, please visit patreon.com forward slash Mark Sterry Music Podcast. If you enjoyed some of the musical edits on this show, please head on over to your local record store or do some digging on iTunes and load up on some new songs. Also, if you get a chance, please go check out some live music somewhere. It could be a great and worthwhile experience. Life is short. Go have some fun. Till next time.